This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We are one day away from the early signing period, Blake. Uh, obviously going to be a big deal for the Florida Gators. They've got most of their class kind of locked up already. I say locked up. They'll they'll kind of officially start to get the class locked up beginning tomorrow. Um, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, Blake, um, this early signing period has really transformed into kind of the key recruiting period. It's It's really what National Signing Day in February used to be. Um, where this is really where you find out kind of the bulk of your class. Uh, I guess briefly, Blake, kind of what, is, what does it look for Florida right now? I mean, there's not really a whole lot of guys that Florida is necessarily trying to add. This, this day, uh, tomorrow, and really continuing into Friday is more about uh, just kind of signing the guys they have committed, right? Yeah, you know, they're, they're going to have some targets that they deal with. But, you know, with 24 commits right now, they're not going to have everybody that signs tomorrow. There should be four guys that, that are planning to sign in February, barring any changes. Um, so I think the big part of it is Florida sitting at the number seven recruiting class in the nation right now. Uh, and they're going to have more just to, uh, just maybe around three fourths of the guys signed, sealed and delivered and ready to go. Uh, three guys of those are already on campus in Florida Anthony Richardson, Joshua mm-hmm. Braun and Richie Leonard, uh, quarterback and two linemen that are going to be able to participate in Florida's bowl practices for the orange bowl. Um, so, you know, it's a luxury of having these guys already good. So a lot of them will be uh, enrolling in January. And there's some guys that, you know, decision-wise, committed targets that they're trying to flip. They have not very many uncommitted guys that are going to be announcing, um, but there will be some. So they should, again, you know, like you said, they should have an idea of where their class stands. And then then you kind of go from there and, and you take a little bit of a break. You have a dead period and, and you look back at whatever needs you need to fill as you lead up towards February's National Signing Day, where January is kind of a, where, where it's busy with visits and whatnot through there. So, uh, I, again, December is, is kind of the big deal now for sure. Absolutely. And, I, you know, you mentioned the three guys that are already on campus. You know, we've heard positive reports from quarterback Anthony Richardson has really been turning some heads in his first couple practices. You know, he's a guy that, you know, is really when you think Dan Mullen quarterback, you think of an Anthony Richardson, a guy that's six four right now in the 225 pound range. Uh, will probably be able to get up to 235, 240 by the time next season rolls around. And I think having those, you know, those three guys right now that are on campus already practicing, uh, it's like I call them like super early enrollees. You know, they're getting an even a head start even on spring football. Uh, then when you talk about, you know, I think Florida is looking at about 10 uh, early enrollees right now. And that's not counting, you know, guys that are, aren't committed that may also early enroll. Um, that's huge for the program. You know, Florida was a program that was operating, you know, well below the NCAA scholarship limit of 85 this year. And then with injuries and everything, you know, the Gators were kind of thin just numbers wise. And so I think th- this being a year where you have 10 early enrollees is extremely important. And you look at some of the names, Jahari Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, uh, Isaiah Walker Jr., Antoine Powell, 
Uh, like we mentioned, the three guys that are already there, um, a couple of these linemen, Joshua Braun, Richard Leonard, uh, these are all guys that I think are going to be able to maybe not help you in terms of starting next year, but they're going to really be able to start to build that depth and create some quality competition in the spring. Um, you know, for the three that are already here, even in bowl practices, they've gotten in there with the twos uh, and gotten some good work. So, um, you know, as much as we've talked about Dan Mullins recruiting over various you know podcast episodes here and, you know, maybe areas they need to step it up. I, I will say that I think this staff does a tremendous job of figuring out what they need in terms of numbers and then figuring out how to get guys in early. And I think you see that's been a big focus with this class. You know, you're heading into early signing period with 24 guys already committed. Um, Blake, we talked about it a little bit before the show. The way I'm looking at the numbers, I think they can only really take three more guys. Um, now, I know that there's, you know, there's been some discussion, you know, maybe they can work their way around that with some loopholes here and there. And that's certainly something we've seen Dan Mullen do. Um, but I think that this staff has, has done a good job um, now that they've had this is their third cycle in recruiting. They've established kind of their board going back a couple of years. They've created all these relationships. And I, I don't think you're necessarily needing to see some major surge from Florida coming into this early signing period, going into February. Um, is it, you know, is it top five level? Is it exactly where you'd like it to be? Probably not, but it's definitely uh, a big step forward, I would say, from last year when you look at some of the names. So, Blake, I wanted to ask you real quick, um, and, and this doesn't even have to be um, guys that are signing early, but who are the guys in this class that you're, that you're most impressed with um, that it'll be a big deal for Florida to kind of get inked up? You know, I think the easy one, to answer that question is easily Florida's highest ranked commit. And and I think he's what number 31 in the 24 mm-hmm, seven sports composite. And he's number 24. I think according to the top two, four, seven, I'm talking about defensive tackle, Jervon Dexter. I just think whenever you look at Florida's class and you look at the high number of not only defensive linemen, but just as interior type of guys um, that could even do a little bit of both. You know, I think, you know, Dexter, uh, four-star Johnny Brown, those are two guys that really jump out to me as guys that can play a little tackle, they can play a little end, um, they have the size uh, and the athleticism to mix and kind of be that versatile player that what Florida wants to do with a lot of their defensive linemen. Uh, Dexter, I thought it was interesting this past weekend, um, just from watching tape and looking at his size, I think a lot of people compare him, if you want to compare an NFL type of guy, it's Calais Campbell who plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars now, just a massive defensive lineman that's extremely athletic. But over the weekend, this this past weekend, Florida actually kind of compared a lot of his game to Zach Carter and, and the fact of how they use him as a defensive tackle, as a defensive end. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, so I think that that's kind of the role and those kind of players that Florida really wants. Um, sure, uh, Dexter would probably be one of those guys that's, you know, an immediate guy that's going to be in the rotation. I expect him to yeah, be. Yeah, he'll play. But if he was an early enrollee, I mean, this would be a totally different story we'd be talking about. When we were talking about a guy who could possibly competing for maybe a starting position, if, right. if you know he comes in, I think he's coming in that herald, and I think that the coaching staff expects that much out of him. It's not just a, you know, this Florida staff just isn't one to sit there and say like, oh man, you're going to play early. Like, in fact, I mean, they'll be up front with you and say that, yeah, man, you might not play, you might not have redshirt, you might get worked into the rotation. They've been absolutely up front with he's a guy that's going to make an impact for Florida. I think yeah. too. When you look in the secondary, uh, Jahari Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, I think those are guys that Ethan, I think, is one that you're going to need to get in a weight program. He's very slender, very sure. skinny. I think adding some weight on him in the spring is going to be super beneficial um, because he's, he has really great ball skills. He's very fluid. He's very athletic. So I think there's a lot of things you like about him as a player, but maybe not quite the build. 
So I think that when you look at the fact that Florida's taken such a heavy dose of defensive backs um, at corner, um, at safety, uh, I think that those are two guys that really jump out to me as far as at corners. Jahari Rogers has been mostly a quarterback for his high school, but he's been recruited as a cornerback. So I think this year, I'm fairly certain this was the year where he played predominantly cornerback. Uh, I think he did get some snaps on offense here and there for his team. It's not really uncommon for high school teams to throw the best players out there in those kind of positions. So I think that those are guys that being in early enrollees, um, it's good for them to get acclimated with the program. I think there's a lot of things to like about them, but I also think at the same time they have their flaws. So getting there in the spring and getting in there in the weight program is going to be really good for those guys. I, I know I'm kind of going off a reoccurring theme here, but just mentioning a lot of these early enrollee guys because I feel like whenever you look at at a commitment class and you try to pinpoint guys that are going to make these impacts early, I, I think it's it's really those guys that are in there in the spring that – kind of translate to early playing time, at least mostly when you just kind of look as a whole of college football. Um, I think Isaiah Walker Jr. is one of those guys. Yeah. Um, just with the need for an athletic offensive tackle, I think he's probably more of your true left tackle type. Um, just with his his frame, you can still add a lot of weight on him, but he's very nimble in his feet. So I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to be really, really beneficial for Florida as they really wanted to fill some needs on offensive line. Last year, they signed a great offensive line class. I know not everybody got in, but a lot of those guys are really more interior guys. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have your emphasis on the tackle. So I think that that was where Florida had to really hit the nail on the head this cycle. I think Walker is a great player. I think he's going to be one that gets in there early. Getting him in the spring is great. Another guy, too, Joshua Braun, an offensive tackle. Uh, this is just a massive road-grading kid who's coming in at 6'6", 335 already. Um, he's one who's big on the nutrition planes. He's big on the weight program. So, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be – like he's not a fat 335. Like He's like moving yeah. a giant boulder. Like this is a solid yeah. kid. So I think that he's more of a right tackle type. He could play some guard. I, I know that's not uncommon to throw those guys in the fire at guard. I don't see him being the left tackle type of guy. Um, I don't know that he's really quite as nimble um, as Walker, but he's just an absolute. I think his dad is an offensive line coach through the years. Um, he always says that he builds like rhino linemen, and I think that that's a, kind of a really good comparison to put Braun just because when you watch his tape, it just kind of looks like a rhino that's like just plowing through everybody. So I think that those guys are really the ones that stick out the most to me. Um, I think another guy you could throw in there, uh, Rashad Torrance, uh, the three-star, four-star, depending on if you look at the composite or the 24-7 rankings. I think just the fact that Florida needs some guys at safety and him being an early enrollee, um, he has somewhere in the realm of, I think, like 100-some-odd tackles for the season. So a tackle machine. Usually those guys in the secondary, you know, a lot of those guys can be a liability in coverage. You know, you're still learning the things. I think the thing that for secondary guys that gets you really early playing time is the, just the no fear of tackling. Mm-hmm. You, that, you know, those guys that can tackle, you can find a way to put them in and you kind of learn them on the fly through practice, through coverage and kind of picking up the schemes and stuff. And obviously him being a spring guy is going to really help him get a jump start on that. But, you know, I think those are the guys that really jump out the most to me. I always feel like those guys that really make a translate to early playing time are the ones that are there in the spring. Yeah, well, and, you know, you mentioned Braun. It was funny. We were talking to John Grenard yesterday, and, and he was talking about the three guys that kind of came in early. And he was like, man, I don't know I don't know what they're doing breeding these kids these days because Braun is just huge. Uh, he was really impressed by him. Uh, said he, did, he didn't remember who it was, but, he, you know, somebody got a hold of him and, uh, and, and kind of gave him the business, gave Braun the business. Uh, and so he's kind of getting used to, you know, some of those bigger bodies. But like you said, uh, you know, going back to, to Dexter, um, you know, the big defensive lineman, uh, he's a guy that I think will contribute early just because um, when you look at what Florida's losing in terms of the pass rush, you're losing a Jabari Zuniga, a John Grenard, 
uh, and Adam Schuler, you're losing a lot of your bigger bodies. And I know that, you know, Mahmoud Diabate was very, very good this year. Um, you know, Chris Bogle showed a lot of signs, but both of those guys are, are a little bit thin. And you, you don't want both of those guys lining up as starting ends uh, in the SEC just yet. You know, those are guys that you want to use as situational pass rushers. And so you need some guys that are bigger bodies, like you said, like a, a Javon Dexter, a Johnny Brown. Um, and I think the, the Zach Carter comparison for Dexter is really interesting because, you know, for the last couple of years, fans have been waiting on Zach Carter to kind of break out. You know, he's got this massive frame. He can play inside and outside. And uh, really, for his first two years, just didn't do a whole lot. Now, I know he redshirted. Um, so one of those years, you know, it, you expected him to take some, you know, a little time to grow up. Uh, but he really, he really, I thought, turned it on late in the season. And you saw the kind of flexibility that he gave Florida being able to play inside and outside. I think when I look at Dexter, and, and I don't watch a lot of guys' high school film because I like to, you know, wait to see what, you know, what I see out of them on campus and practices before. You take I really over those guys them. once they sign, man. They're, do, they're, my, man. Pro- I, they're my problem until they're, they're they sign. Problem then I gladly give sign. them to you. Absolutely. But so I, the, what little I've seen of Dexter, he just looks even more explosive than Zach Carter to me. I think he's going to be, you know, it, it's funny. All the fans are kind of like, why isn't he a five-star? Why isn't he a five-star? Well, guys, we have him ranked number 25 on 24-7 sports. And if that stays, he will be a five-star by the end of the cycle. So, And he's he, a kid who's played football for two years. Yeah, exactly. The, so the, he's, the he's ceiling wrong. is extremely the ceiling high. Is, there is no ceiling, you know. Yeah, no <laughs> so ceiling. Uh, I, he's one that I, I absolutely think will play right away. Uh, Blake, one one that I wanted to get your thoughts on real quick before we go to a commercial break. Uh, what's your impression of Derek Wingo? Because he's a linebacker, I think, that is one of those elite caliber players at a position where Florida loses a guy like David Reese. Can he step in and play right away? You know, I think he's an interesting one because I watched him play in the state championship game this past Saturday. They won over uh, Orlando Edgewater. Um, He plays defensive end for the most part. He had two sacks in the game, but he'll do some standing up. So I don't know that he's really used in that traditional inside linebacker. Um, And Florida very well could use him there. I mean, they're telling him across the board he could play the money linebacker. They're telling him he could play the Mike linebacker. Um, In the situations of how he's rushed the edge, I don't know he quite has the size that Florida would really like to rush the edge. But I think it's something that is in the future for him just as he continues to get, you know, acclimated with the program. I think – Whenever Florida signed, uh, you know, uh, quite a few linebackers this past year, I think that those are the ones, um, you know, the Ventrell Millers, the guys who not only were signed but kind of emerged last year. I, I don't know that there's a huge need for Wingo to come in and step in and be an immediate guy, but I do think just the talent he brings um, is going to get him in the rotation. I expect him to do to see some play time, um, but I think that if he was an early enrollee guy, I think that would be a little bit more of a faster thing for him. But St. Thomas Aquinas right. doesn't do that. So he'll be there, I believe, in May um, for Summer A is when he's planning to be there. So he still gets some time to do some of the workouts. Uh, I think he'll be a guy, but I, I just think the fact that, you know, when you look at defensive line, I think there's just out, out just, you know, completely open playing chance for some of these guys to come in if they come in and work hard. It, it just seems like there's a faster track on the defensive line more so than maybe linebacker. But I do think Wingo is going to be a guy that has the mindset of being a college guy. I think he's very mature. And sometimes, you know, Diabate, I think, is one of those guys that maybe, like you said, he doesn't have quite the size. Um, you obviously want to continue to build him up. But he's just a very mature kid. And some of those kids just come in and they really soak up all this coaching. And, right. and it translates to playing time. So, you know, I can't really say that Wingo is going to come in and he's going to be one of those immediate guys maybe kind of comparing him sort of Dexter but I do think he's going to come in and he's going to get his feet wet and I do think he's going to be a very good player for Florida not only for what he can do on the field too but just watching him in the state championship game he's just a leader he just Mm -hmm. 
it it's it's just it oozes out of him and it just seems like guys really kind of gravitate towards him and I think he's going to come in and I don't think he's going to come in as your normal freshman where he's really timid I think he's going to be very vocal I you know I don't know that he's going to be bossing guys around and I think he's going to kind of understand that there is a you know kind of chain of command with some of these upperclassmen but I think he's going to be a guy that really kind of holds a lot of these guys that come in with him in this class accountable. Uh, I, I think he's just going to be a really good teammate. And I think that that's something that does bring another dynamic to Florida. You want to grab these great players. Yes, absolutely. But when you can get a guy that does something for your locker room, I think it's just an added bonus. And I think that that's really the thing to me that he brings. Well, see, I, and I, I hearing that, I'm thinking that's that sounds like David Reese. Like that's, you know, David Reese isn't the most vocal guy, but sure. he he is that, you know, kind of quintessential leader. And I think losing him, I, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think that Florida needs needs help at linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think Ventrell Miller and James Houston were both good, but they were up and down. And, you know, they they sure. they had their down games against better competition in October. Um, it seems like every couple of years, Florida has, you know, a linebacker that steps in as a true freshman, be it, you know, uh, Derek, Re- uh, David Reese or, uh, an Antonio Morrison, a Jared Davis, um, one of those types. And, you know, this is one of those years where I look at Florida's roster and yes, they have a couple linebackers that have been there, but I think somebody that steps in and is a great athlete and a good leader, uh, picks up, you know, things pretty quickly. I, I could very well see Derek Wingo being a guy that ends up starting at some point next year. Sure. And I thought it was an interesting thing too. I can't remember who asked me at the state championship game, but it was uh, Wingo uh, in the last uh, week and a half or two weeks or so, he was named the uh, Gatorade national player mm-hmm. of the year for the state of Florida. And it, and someone asked me, when's the last time Florida signed somebody as a Gatorade national player of the year? And it took me a while to think of it, but I, I think it was Jeff Driscoll in 2010. Yeah, I was going to say it was either Driscoll or Brantley for sure. Right. I think, so I think Brantley was. was, I think Brantley was who I said, but then I remember Driscoll was after him. So it's been a little while since Florida signed some of these type of guys so again i think they're getting a tremendous player all right blake well let's take a quick commercial break when we get back i want to ask you about how how you feel florida's doing in the state this cycle because that's obviously been a big emphasis for dan mullen uh and then we'll talk a little bit about things to watch for florida fans coming into this early signing period right after this break ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Uh, we are one day ahead of the early signing period, which will allow 
you know, some of these high school prospects that have been committed to Florida for a while to officially sign their national letters of intent kind of gives the coaches a chance to uh, refocus once all those guys are signed and then and then really hone in on the last couple recruits heading into February's national signing day. But Blake, we talked a little bit about it, uh, you know, before that commercial break. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how Florida has done in the state of Florida recruiting. Um, and you can you can get as specific or as general as you like. But from my standpoint, I thought that Florida uh, under Jim McElwain, they, they obviously put a, a very strong emphasis on South Florida and they got a lot of guys from South Florida. But to me, Florida was not competitive enough in some of these elite recruitments of really top notch prospects. And I, I think there's still some question marks there when you talk about guys like, uh, you know, Trey Sanders or Demarcus Bowman. Um, but. I want to get your take on it. Uh, has Florida done better overall with kind of these top 24-7 types in the state of Florida? And are they kind of making progress towards maybe getting back to being one of the dominant in-state recruiters? Yeah, you know, I think they are. I think the reoccurring theme every year is that Florida is doing better every year. It just seems like they they make improvements of not only recruiting overall, recruiting in the state of Florida, but I totally agree with you in the fact that there are a lot of these upper tier type of guys that are still finding a way to get out of state. And I think that's just the nature of the beast with Florida. I feel like a lot of these kids, there's not any you know heavy in-state loyalties. Um, I feel like a lot of these kids that if they find a position to you know uh, succeed in some of these schools out of state that are you know competing in uh, you know the playoffs or national championships, you know Clemson, the Bamas, the Georgias, um, I, I think that it's just the fact that those schools are, you know, really doing well on in the recruiting, doing well, uh, you know, on the field. So I think it makes it a lot of a, you know, just attractiveness for some of these kids. Um, I do think that just from seeing how a lot of these 2020 guys and 2021 guys looking ahead, um, it, it does seem that Florida is the hot team in state. And and obviously, you, you, people listening to this are going, duh, like. You know, Florida and State and Miami have either gone through coaching change or they've just been really bad. So I don't think that comes to any surprise. But it's 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 a long way to coming from you know a couple years ago whenever Florida State was kind of cleaning up in state. There were times where Miami was doing really well. Um, it's been a while since I've had kids tell me the only in-state school I would even listen to is Florida. So I think that that's mm-hmm. progress in its own. And I think that uh, you know. Clemson is the one team that I think has has really kind of come in and, and done a really good job over the years in the state of Florida. Obviously, Demarcus Bowman, the five star running back, um, they stole that one from Florida. Is one uh, they were also able to take a, a big time defensive back out of Jacksonville. Um, you know, Georgia's coming in and getting some five stars and these top tier players. Uh, Texas A and M, you know, they have Donnell Harris, who's currently committed. Whether he flips to Florida on on the early signing day is still kind of left to be seen. But um, there's just so many coaches that have ties to the state of Florida from these big time schools that are coming in and and, and just making it even more competitive. So I, I think that Florida does have to do a better job getting some of these guys, you know, these elite guys in the state of Florida that where Florida's just. You know, the reoccurring thing for Florida is that they're just right there. You know, and I think right. the fact to get them over that hump is to start winning some of these recruiting battles. Um, again, I feel like Florida's recruiting has improved every year under Mullen. And, you know, a lot of think a lot of fans forget that, you know, several years back, Florida was winning four games. So some of these right. kids have grown up seeing Not Florida win back, four games. Three years, three years right. back. So, yeah, three <laughs> years back. So yeah. even looking at that, you know, these kids have seen Florida go four and eight, four and seven, you know, not having good seasons. I felt like for the last 
I don't know, several years of me covering recruiting, a lot of kids weren't even sure what to think about Florida's offense because they weren't right. ready. You know, it's wait and see mode with how their offense is going. So I don't think those questions are necessarily there anymore. And I feel like a lot of the, you know, things are being righted. And I feel like the coaches are, are making gradual improvements, you know, making relationships with these kids in state, with coaches, with all sorts of people in state. So I think the future, it's looking like, again, you know, I, I said that, Recruiting classes are improving every year. I think 2021 is going to be another jump for Florida as they continue to improve. Um, a lot of that's left to be seen if everything happens, but I feel like things are setting up for Florida to have a really good cycle in 2021 and going on. Uh, they just have to continue to show, uh, you know, win 10 years, one 10 win 10 games one year and then win up to 11 games the next year. I, I think it's just really helped Florida a lot to kind of catch these guys' eye. Where again, Florida they've seen them win four games and look awful. Yeah, well, and Blake, we talk about recruiting perception. You know, I, I we mentioned it on the last podcast, and I said, you know, I, for whatever reason, Florida staff doesn't generate a lot of quote unquote buzz. Um, you know, and, and the the guys that follow recruiting very heavily, you know, our our subscribers on Swamp twenty four seven. I think rightly so. There are some areas where the, where Florida is probably lacking, but like I pointed out on the last podcast. Florida does a pretty good job of closing under Dan Mullen. You look at what they did, you know, snagging Emory Jones late in that first class, uh, you know, their finish leading into the early signing day last year. And then you look at even just last week, they flipped Josh Braun from Georgia, very opportunistic there, a guy that is already on campus and is going to contribute a lot at Florida, I think. Um, This staff has closed pretty well. And I actually asked Dan Mullen about that yesterday, and I want to play a a quick clip from that press conference um, because he's talking about some of the things that you mentioned about – you know, recruits, you got to show them consistency. And I think they're starting to see that now at Florida with back-to-back 10-win seasons, back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls. Here's what Dan Mullen said about what recruits and what high school coaches are starting to see from Florida. And I think this really speaks to kind of what you were getting at. So I'll go ahead and roll this clip real quick. Well, I don't know. I think, I think guys, I think our, our, we have, you know, our, 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 all of our assistant coaches, our recruiting staff, everybody works really hard. I think a lot of players now over the last a lot a lot of young men over the last two years, when you look at the big picture of what their decisions are about, uh, they look at the success that the programs had. Right. I mean, I don't know if you, you, you know, you go into last year, we finished a lot higher uh, ranking than anybody projected us to go finish. Right. I think. There are a lot of people projecting us this year. Hey, they might be a six and six team, and here we are in a second straight New Year's Six Bowl. So I think a lot of the the recruiting aspect of that out there is a lot of these young men are looking and saying, "Hey, well, th- this program's way further ahead than people thought they were. They're having a lot more success than people thought they were. Uh, they're closer to being a championship team than a lot of people thought they were." Uh, I'm have the opportunity to come in and play for a SEC and national championship at the University of Florida, play in one of the top programs in the country. On top of then you throw in the academic school because I think, you know, right now after this this regular season, right, we're still in the only still the only top ten academic school that's finished in the top ten uh, in in the rankings two straight years now, and so. You know, I think when you combine that, it's it, that's what makes Florida such an attractive place for a lot of these high-quality guys. But, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, hey, they're great academic school, uh, but it, where's football at? Or they're just great at football, not great academics. We're the one that's great both. And I think they've seen that us continue to improve. You know, I mean, I think we jumped a spot academically and obviously uh, second straight 10-win season that uh, it makes it a lot attractive. And I think that's more the close of guys looking at the reality of the situation maybe than what the perception was at the beginning of recruiting. But, yeah, essentially, you know, it's just figuring out uh, 
how to continue to raise that level of perception for the program where uh, you set this quote unquote Gator standard and that becomes something that over the course of time people can identify with. And I think that Dan Mullen, you know, given the continuity on his staff, uh, you mentioned there's not a lot of coaching turnover on this staff. So guys know what they're getting. They're seeing the same guys coming in and out of the high schools every year. And yes, they need to take it one step further. Uh, but I think the fact that you haven't seen the, the one thing with Dan Mullen is we said when he got hired, uh, it was going to be a high floor for Florida. We we're not weren't sure what the ceiling was, you know, whether he could actually get to the point where you're winning national championships. But you knew the floor was going to be very high because he's so consistent as a coach on game days. Well, now the question is, how high can you raise that floor? You know, can that floor be where you're winning nine to ten games, even in a down year? Um, and I think that's the real question. I think that starts with recruiting. Um, but I don't want to get too long winded on that. I just thought that clip from Mullen was pretty interesting. Um, and I do think, like you said, Florida's doing a better job in the state. Blake, let's go ahead and shift gears. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got a lot to get to uh, before early signing day. <laughs> but um, that's an understatement. Let's, yeah, let's go ahead and um, go ahead and give me a brief outline of what Florida fans should maybe be watching for uh, heading into the early signing period. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think it's a ton of uncommitted type of guys. I, I think the one uncommitted guy for Florida fans to keep an eye on the closest is probably wide receiver Sam Brown. Uh, who's out of Georgia. He landed an offer from Florida last week um, after the staff had been you know, evaluating. They came by to see him during the week, watch him play basketball. He's a really speedy type of kid, but he's another guy who's a little raw in areas of still learning to play the game of football. So I, I think that he's between Florida and West Virginia. I've actually logged a 24-7 sports uh, crystal ball prediction for the Gators uh, when he was unsure at one point when he left his official visit to Florida last week and if he would sign uh, Wednesday or if he would wait until February, but he decided on that. So I think coming off of that visit to Florida, that's really where I'm leaning at right now. Um, obviously, other than that, the ones that I'm keeping the closest eye on uh, right now are probably a couple of flips that Florida's in line for. Uh, the big-time one that everyone has been keeping an eye on is four-star defensive tackle Timothy Smith, who's an Alabama commit, committed there in the summer, uh, but continued to visit uh, Florida like six or seven, maybe even up to eight times um, throughout the summer and the, and the fall season. So uh, he's brought some family with him. You know, I think there's a lot to like about Florida. Uh, really the latest intel, which I'm sure will be absolutely different by the time people listen to this or even tomorrow, which has been <laughs> the fun part of my last several days. But for right now, I think it's very tight. You know, I, I'm leaning right now towards him sticking with Alabama. Um, but there is some real worry on the Alabama side of, you know, just the unknown still. So I don't know that it's really a definite answer. But for the most part, it does seem like there isn't a ton of um, concern otherwise other than that. I think that Alabama is expecting him to stick um, where Florida it has had some confidence, but it doesn't seem like there's really you know a definite answer like they've been told, like, Coach, I'm coming or anything right. like that. So uh, some of the other guys to watch uh, as far as flip-wise, I think, is uh, four-star defensive end Donnell Harris out of South Florida. He's a Texas A&M commit. Visited Florida the weekend of December 6th and then was uh, in College Station this past weekend for his official visit. I feel like this one is one that you've seen a lot of back and forth. Um, it does seem like there's confidence on both sides, the Aggies and the Gators. I just feel like this late, whenever you have both sides that are you know really feeling confident, and it does seem like you know just being in the state of Florida is, is an appealing part to him. Um, I feel like I'm leaning more towards this one happening as far as a flip, but again, I think it's still really fluid and things are really back and forth and you have to kind of dig through what's real and what's not this late. You feel like it's, you know, the time of the year where there's all sorts of rumors and craziness that you just kind of have to figure out or debunk. Um, but right now I think I'm leaning towards Florida there. there but again, there does seem to be some confidence on the Aggie side. I just feel like just kind of trending this late. I just feel like Florida has really got a lot of steam there. Uh, the other one, 
uh, to keep an eye on is is a defensive tackle from Armwood High School. He's currently committed to North Carolina and Clyde Pender Jr. Um, I don't believe there's really a time of when he's planning to be signing. Um, Smith will be 2.15. Donald Harris will be 4 p.m. on Wednesday. But Clyde, they don't do a ceremony for the early signing period at Armwood High School. They really kind of stick to the February. Um, So at this point, it just looks like Pender's going to wake up and just fax his letter whenever he gets around to it. Um, I, for right now, the latest intel for me points to him sticking with North Carolina, but there has been there was some pretty heavy back and forth last night. But I think for right now, I'm leaning more towards him sticking. Uh, Florida's got a bunch of other uh, targets, um, and I could kind of go through some of those guys. Not really anyone that I'm feeling like Florida's going to land right now, but between you know what the ten or eleven some odd guys target wise that Florida's looking to kind of see what happens on signing day. Um, I have an outline that's up on Swamp Twenty Four Seven. I urge guys to read that because it'd be a lot easier than me confusing everyone with all these times and numbers. Um, yeah. It kind of outlines Florida Gators early signing period. I have all the times where some of these guys that are targets are expected to make their announcements. And then I have a, an outline of all the commits of when they're playing effects and their letters of intent. So I, I urge people to read that because it would be a lot less confusing than me throwing out all this math. Hit us up, swamp247.com. I know Blake's got a lot to get to, so I'm not going to keep him any longer today. Blake, thank you for uh, wrapping up the recruiting. I'm sure we'll have a uh, an episode you know, in the next week, probably, probably before we both break for Christmas, kind of wrapping up how Florida did on early signing day. But guys, check it out, swamp247.com. We will have uh, a headquarters for all your national signing, early signing, sorry, I'm going to screw that up all the time. Early signing period, that's the, that's the one. We'll have all that stuff on swamp247.com. Hit it up. Blake and I and Bob Redman will be keeping the site updated throughout the day so you can keep track of exactly who is signed, uh, who's in the class, who might be flipping commitments, uh, announcement ceremonies, all that. We'll have it on the site, swamp247.com. Thank you for tuning in today, guys. We'll be back in the near future breaking down how Florida fared on the early signing period. Thanks for listening.